Thanks, Marin, and thanks, Jono, for those prayers. Great prayers. And on that topic, how about we pray? Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that uh, you are with us here tonight. We pray that you'd uh, help us to uh, be able to uh, hear your word clearly. I pray that you'd speak through me as I speak on these words and that you would help us to capture your design for marriage and for parenting and for, um, and for what we're doing in this, um, in this series. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight we are talking about raising kids, sons and daughters. And for the majority of you here tonight, you might be thinking, well, why is this important to me? For some, you're actually not old enough to be parents. Indeed, some of you are still at home being raised by your parents. For others, this may be something that you would like to do one day. Uh, but that day's far on the horizon, and so you might be thinking, well, this talk's just not going to meet me where I am right now. While there are others here tonight who'd love to start a family now, but have either not found Mr or Mrs Wright, or have not been able to fall pregnant um, or carry a child to full term. Others may have chosen not to have children or have chosen to remain single, and we're going to look at that very topic next week. Then, of course, here today, there are those who have had children. And even amongst us, there's a widespread experience of joy and pain, of pride and shame that we might be feeling in our role as parents. But whatever it is that is our situation, I want us to see today that raising children is a team sport, that Jesus values children and calls on us to hold children to the highest regard, Jesus says that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. You may well know the African proverb that says that it takes a village to raise a child. Well, in our age of individualism, it has never been more important for us here at Menai Anglican Church to be the village where we can raise our children. And we all, no matter what our circumstances, have the wonderful opportunity to contribute to the growth and the discipleship of the many kids that God has blessed us with here at Menai Anglican, to help them to be introduced to Jesus and see their lives changed in him. So today I want to give us five principles to help us raise children as a church, as parents and as friends and as brothers and sisters in Christ. Two weeks ago, Andrew gave us the three Ps for sexual intimacy. Well, today I want to give us the five Ds for Christian parenting, and they're all gospel-driven. And the first principle, the first D, is delegate. Looking together at our first reading from Psalm 127, the psalm says, verse 3, "'Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring are reward from him.'" The psalmist tells us that children are a gift from God. Now, heritage, it's a funny word, isn't it? It captures that idea of something of worth that's owned by someone and then passed on to another. And here in 100, uh, Psalm 127, it captures the truth that children are actually the possession of God. He has given children to parents, retaining his ownership of them. And he's given them to parents for them to steward Right from the beginning of the Bible, kids are God-given. They are God-blessings for his world. 
Genesis says, be fruitful and multiply and um, fill the earth and subdue it. And of course, the family unit is God's gift to the world. It's where we find our earthly identity, where we are formed and developed, where we receive physical and emotional and spiritual instruction. And for the most, it's a place of security and an anchor for safety in this world. But it all comes from the one true owner, the God of the universe. And so parenting is a delegated authority. All children belong to God and are given to parents to steward and disciple and to look after during their time here on earth. It's an amazing privilege, but it's also a challenge because, well, our children belong to God. They're not ours. Children are not a rite of passage. They're not there for our happiness. They're not there for our Facebook or Instagram feed. They are not there to fill up our tanks. Our kids belong to God, and he has given them to us for his purpose and his direction. And so the first D that we need to keep in mind when we come to Christian parenting is delegate. Our children belong to God and have been delegated to us to raise and to nurture. Our second D, our second principle of Christian parenting is direct. Again, looking at Psalm 127, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children born in one's youth. Now, the context of this psalm is all about the Lord building his kingdom. The psalm starts, unless the Lord builds the house, the builder labor the builders labor in vain unless the lord watches over the city the guards stand watch in vain and so what the psalmist is saying is that kids are given by god as arrows into the future to help and advance god's kingdom it's an interesting image isn't it the one of the child being an arrow and benton has written this lovely little parenting book called aren't they lovely when they are asleep And she writes this about children being arrows. She says, We have a responsibility to the future of the planet of potentially greater significance than saving the rainforests or preservation of the giant panda. The raising of our children is a personal and specific assignment which could have huge, even global implications. Adolf Hitler had parents. So did John Wesley. And if you don't take care to direct your arrows carefully, who will? I love this image of our children being fired as arrows into the world and into the future. But if you know anything about parenting, if you've been a parent um, or know a parent, you will know that this whole parenting thing is not an easy thing to do. I still can remember bringing Nathan home from hospital and getting him home and thinking, okay, now what do we do? Nobody gave us a manual for this thing. It's kind of all up to us. But God gives us a noble task to fire our kids into the future. Now, of course, every parent wants the best for their kids. They want to give them the best life possible, the most happiness, the most comfort, the best home life, the best education, the best experiences, the best opportunities, the best pathway into adulthood. And those are amazingly good things. But actually, God wants something greater for our kids. He wants something more than comfort for our kids. 
You see, as arrows of the Lord, kids offer a greater purpose to fly into the future for the purposes and plans of the king of the universe. I want to ask you if you're a parent here today or hope to be one one day and think forward to that moment when you have your own children. What do you envisage the future to be for your children? What vision, what hopes and dreams do you have for them? Have you just settled on wanting them to have a comfortable life with the big house and the big car? They've made it. Or do you have a vision for them to be arrows in your bow, going into the future to build the kingdom of God? Mary, our children's minister, often reminds us that the children here at Menai Anglican Church are not just the church of tomorrow, but important parts of the church of today. Now we've got a large team of leaders who invest their energy and time in helping our kids and youth know Jesus and have their lives transformed by him. And one of the hopes and dreams of these ministries is that when they leave the children's and youth ministry, they will be the Christian leaders who will impact our church, our community and our world for the kingdom of God. That's a good vision, isn't it? For our children's and youth ministry, that we're raising up the next generation of leaders that will impact the world for the kingdom of God. I want to encourage us all then to become archers here in this church, giving some of our time, some of our resources, serving in the children's or youth ministry here at church, or mentoring one of the leaders, or helping teach scripture, or joining the holiday club team, or whatever it be, to invest some of your time, some of your resources in raising the kids of our church to be on fire for Jesus. So our second D is to direct and challenges us to which way we're directing the kids for the future. The third D of Christian parenting is disciple. If we're directing our kids to be part of God's kingdom in the future, then we need to be investing now in discipling our kids and youth to love and follow Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Now, the New Testament says surprisingly little about the practicalities of raising kids. But what it does say is of huge and significant importance. And so in our second reading from Ephesians, Paul says to the kids, to the children, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. I've often over the years been tempted to plaster that um, verse all over the house so that my two children um, would obey their mum and I, although I've never been convinced that that would actually have any effective um, use. Um, I'm sure that they'd just ignore it. But for those of us that are still at home, these words are worth reflecting on, aren't they? What does it look like to obey your parents in the Lord? Now, lots of us have grown up, and so what does it look like as a young adult to obey our parents in the Lord? For those still at home, what does it look like when you're over the age of 18, for example, where you've got that little bit of independence, where you've got that little bit of opportunity to do some of your own things, but you're still under the house or under the roof of your parents? Well, it's going to show itself in respect. It's going to show itself in helping to work towards what's best for that family unit. But when you leave that family unit and set up your own house, whether it be as a single person or you leave to get married, 
Well, then what does your obeying your parents now look like? Well, it's not in the same sense as it was when you were a child, is it? Obeying your parents now will, will come in the sense of respect of your parents, of building up um, and looking forward to how your parents can thrive. And so you become kind of not equal to your parents, but co-travellers with your parents in the Lord, supporting them, looking after them. And of course, for some of you, it now comes to the point where you're now looking after your parents in a very similar way that they looked after you, depended upon you. And it's looking for those opportunities to serve. In a similar way we did in the earlier years, but now the kind of things have turned around. We need to be thinking, what does this look like to honour God? And it's interesting, it comes with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. You see, as you're growing up as a kid, you cannot obey your parents and life just may not go so well for a time. If you obey your parents, if you obey the Lord in this command, you're walking with your parents who want the best for you, then the promise is it will go well with you. Now, what that looks like is between God and you, of course, and God will actually work that through. But this is an important part for us to be thinking about. What does that look like for us? And it's a situation that many of us hear in, at the moment. David Gaskell from our 8 o'clock congregation, many of you know David, uh, tells me that this command, um, obey your parents, is repeated 43 times in the Bible. Now, I'm not sure if that's a reflection on how slow we are at obeying the command or how important this command is. But it's interesting that the next command that goes straight after this one in Ephesians 6 now addresses the fathers. Well, we're on the eve of Father's Day, so maybe us fathers, if we're here, should be listening to this one. David tells me, though, that this one is only repeated twice in the Bible. Now, I'm not convinced that's because it's less important. It's twice in the Bible. Dads, we better listen. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, of course, both parents are involved in the training and instruction of their kids. But fathers here have a specific responsibility for discipling their children to know and love Jesus. And often, of course, our children will learn that by the way we model, not just what we say. And so if they see you reading your Bible over breakfast and prioritising getting to church on the weekend that'll actually have a larger impact on them than barking out instructions of what they should or should not be doing. Now, I'm only too aware that whenever we read something um, uh, like this or hear something taught on parenting, we parents instinctively begin to feel guilty. We hear it, we read something in a parenting book, and straight away we start asking ourselves, am I doing it right? Am I really a good parent? Am I really a Christian? I want to encourage you today to resist that feeling, to know that although the command is there that we are to teach and disciple our children, there will be times where we'll get that wrong. There will be times when we need to change the way we do that, depending on what season our family is up to. For my wife, Helen, and I, we've sought to find those moments where we can chat about our faith with our kids or make it a priority for our kids to get to kids' clubs when they were younger and now youth as they've got older. And so we seek to eat together most nights around the table without the TV on, 
And while we're eating, this has been a tough one for the last couple of weeks, but no phones, including Dad, hoping that this will give us a chance to talk about life and faith and what um, uh, we see God doing in our lives. We're looking for those moments, those moments in the car, those moments that you get to spend time um, where life can be shared. We have, as a rule, not encouraged weekend sport or parties that stop our kids going to church. Of course, there are exceptions, but we've done this to give them every chance to learn about Jesus and the importance he should have in, um, in their lives. But we're only too aware as parents that the discipleship of our children doesn't happen in a vacuum, and it's not all up to us. Christian parents are commanded to do it, but we have the extraordinary opportunity to um, all of us to partner the parents in doing this. And here's the scary part. If we don't disciple our kids, someone else will. And that someone is bound to be someone of the world. And rather than follow Jesus as their king, they would lead them astray to follow other kings and other priorities. Now, of course, that's not an exact science, is it? And it's important that we see this. I know of Christian parents who have sought to discipline their children, uh, disciple their children, sorry, and have given their kids every opportunity to know Jesus and put their faith in him. But as they grow older, they've walked away from Jesus in the church. And it leaves a lot of parents questioning where they've gone wrong in their parenting. And indeed, I know some that say they even feel ashamed about this. But we must remember that God does not have grandchildren. And by that I mean that every person must make their own commitment to Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, including our children. Our children are not guaranteed to be Christians just because we are. Our role is to give them every opportunity to know and love God through Jesus. But it's, be it's between them and God as to whether they will choose to follow Jesus and may have nothing to do with our parenting. But friends, take comfort in this. I know many adults who have come to Jesus later in life and will say that they had a Christian upbringing, but walked away from it when they left home and realised now that it was a mistake. I also know many adults who were not discipled as, as a child, either in Christian homes or non-Christian homes, but still have come to faith later in life. So friends, we don't need to beat ourselves up on this one. Our God is a God of grace and mercy. And so we can turn to him in prayer for our children and grandchildren, even if at this time they are not following him. So our third D, discipleship. And as Christian parents and even some grandparents amongst us here tonight, and as a Christian family, here is the whole church, we have the privilege of introducing the children that God has given us to Jesus and teach them how to live for him. But the flip side of dis, um, discipling our kids is the discipline of our kids. And this is our fourth D, discipline. Again, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Or if we look at this in another translation, ESV more literally says, Father, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
If to disciple our kids is to teach them that Jesus is the king and to encourage them to follow him, then discipline of our kids is to teach them that they are not the king. If you know anything about kids, that can be a hard thing to do. In my kids' earlier years, they grew up on Colin Buchanan's songs. I'm talking about the very young years. And you might know the song, Jesus is the Mighty, Mighty King. Know this one? It goes, Jesus is the Mighty, Mighty King. Jesus is the Mighty, Mighty King. God gave him the, God made him the boss of everything, so Jesus is the Mighty, Mighty King. Yep. And then what happens? Nathan is not the boss. Uh-uh. Katie is not the boss. Uh-uh. Daddy is not the boss. Uh-uh. Jesus is the boss. I gave that a bit of a test run here at SNC to see if I'm going to sing that one tomorrow. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> the other thing I was going to do is going to get you to sing it with me. So that would have been better. But you can see there that um, that really sums up what it is to discipline our kids, isn't it? We want to teach them that they are not the king. And so they are not free to do what they like because Jesus is the king. Now, the problem with this word discipline is when you think of discipline, what's the very first thing that comes into your mind? Well, if you're older like I am, it's the wooden spoon on the backside. Or, for me, it was the non-fluffy side of the feather duster. True. Ouch. That's what some of us think when we think of the word discipline. But because things have kind of progressed in society a little, we've moved away from that kind of form of discipline. And it's meant that many parents are shying away from disciplining their kids altogether. Of course, discipline should never equate to physical abuse. It should never be done in anger or out of revenge. In fact, most discipline is not physical punishment at all. Anne Benton, who I quoted before, says, Discipline is always for the child's sake and the child's safety. Discipline is a planned strategy for training by means of instruction, encouragement, correction and modelling. Our discipline of our kids is to mirror God's discipline of us to make us more like Jesus, so that they would more readily and more instinctively trust Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. God disciplines us, his children, out of love for us because he wants the best for us. And so the fourth D, discipline. Well, we've looked at four of the five Ds of Christian parenting. Delegate, direct, disciple and discipline. The final one I want us to look at tonight is demonstrate. Probably the biggest thing we can all do for the kids that God's blessed us with here at Menai Anglican and we parents and grandparents can do for our kids is to model to them the grace that God has shown us. Ephesians 2 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourself. It's the gift of God, not by work so no one can boast. The longer I've been a parent, the more parenting books I've read, the more I watch other Christian parents parent their kids, the more I realise that our kids become gripped by the grace of God as we are gripped by the grace of God. There is no parenting book, there's no set of parenting principles, there's no techniques 
that can make up for parents and those here in the church family whose hearts are gripped by the grace of God. And so I'm thankful for the many children's and youth leaders over the years that have demonstrated that faith to my children and have modelled to them what it looks like to be gripped by grace. You don't have to be a parent for long to know that parenting is universally difficult. But it's God's grace that drives us through those difficulties. It's God's grace that causes us to love our children even when they're unlovable. It's God's grace that causes us to make the tough calls about what they should and shouldn't do. So friends, I want to close by saying thank you. Thank you to the mums and dads and grandparents who make the effort to come here week by week to church and model to us and to our children what it looks like to bring up their children to know and love Jesus. Thank you to the parents, both mums and dads, and for those heroes that are doing it alone, as mum or dad, that are seeking to direct, disciple, discipline, and demonstrate the grace of God to the children that he has so graciously delegated to their care and nurture. And thank you to the many of you who give of your time and energy to lead our children and youth here at Menai, discipling them, demonstrating to them what it means to follow Jesus. You guys are legends, and I am so thankful for you. Let me finish by reminding you the five Ds of Christian parenting. Delegate. Our children are first and foremost God's children. We need to remember this, friends. And so those parents who have been entrusted with their children have been delegated the responsibility to raise and nurture them on his behalf. They're not for us. They are his. Second, direct. Our children are like arrows into the future. And so we want to do all we can to direct them towards God's purposes and plans for them to build his kingdom. Disciple. We have the great privilege to introduce our children to Jesus and help them know what it looks like to live for him. But discipline, on the same time, we need to remind them that they're not the king, that Jesus is, and train and correct their hearts to live for him. And finally demonstrate, all the time demonstrating to them the grace of God that has so gripped us so that it may grip their hearts and lead them to put their trust in Jesus. Friends, Christian parenting is a noble task. It's not for everybody. Some would love to be in this situation. I know this is a very difficult topic. Some have chosen not to for all sorts of reasons. It could be argued, for those that have got the privilege of parenting, that it is actually the most important task that we'll ever do. But we don't need to do it alone. We have the very great privilege here at Menai Anglican to be the village that raises the children and youth that God has so graciously given us. So let's get in this together and do this as a family and, um, and see these children um, thrive so that as they leave, they will be the leaders of the next generation. Let me pray for us as uh, we take on this task. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much that, uh, that you have blessed us with so many children here in this church family. And Father, we thank you for the parents that are here. We thank you for the mums and dads who have given so much of their time and energy into raising their kids to know and love you. Father, we do pray for those who would love to be parents and are not parents at this time. We pray that you would be with them in a special way, but help them to see that 
together with all of us, we can have an impact on the children you've entrusted to this church family for the sake of your glory. Finally, Father, please help us as a church uh, to see the children that you have placed here not as second-class or inferior citizens amongst us, but as the church of today and as the leaders of tomorrow. Help us to invest in them so that they may bring glory to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, um, as in all this series, there's a bunch of us that have got these red um, lanyards, the red um, tags and the lanyards. Um, they are safe people to chat to um, if something's come up in this sermon or in a previous sermon that you just love to chat to somebody about. Um, they may help to um, direct you towards somebody that might be able to help. If it's an issue about um, uh, a Bible um, passage or the interpretation that I've given tonight over what um, I've said tonight, uh, come and talk to me or one of the other staff. Um, but otherwise, um, feel free to chat to somebody tonight if that would be helpful to you.